What is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, it's your host, Charles, and today we've got another fantastic episode for you. This is probably one of the most informative and, to be honest, insane episodes I've done. I'm sitting down with Adam Lee, and we're going to be talking about market profile, order flow, market making, algos, and a whole ton of other shit. It's a, it's a wild episode to say the least, but before we get into it, do just want to take a quick second to give a shout out to the sponsors, Crypto.com and CoinFlip. They've been with me for a couple months now. I'm loving it. They seem to be loving it. You guys should go check them out if you haven't already. If you support this podcast, you should support them as well because they are supporting me. A uh, little bit about both. Crypto.com. They have two things that I really want to touch on. Uh, one is this Visa MCO credit card that they've got. They allow you to spend your crypto and earn some killer rewards and cash back for doing so. You can get up to 5% cash back on all purchases. And then there's some like other small rewards like you know free Spotify, uh, free airport lounge access, stuff like that. Uh, but the big one is the 5% cash back on all purchases or up to 5%, I should say, depending on which card you get. So if you're interested in that, there's a link in the description below. Head on over. You can sign up. Very easy to sign up. And they'll send you this cool metal card that, again, you can use to spend your crypto. Uh, on top of that, they do have a program called Crypto Earn, where if you hold and kind of quote unquote stake your coins on their site, uh, you can earn very handsome interest on it. Uh, for example, you can earn up to, I think, 6% on Bitcoin for holding it if you lock it away for three months and then it drops down. You can do a one-month term or you can just do a however long you want and pull it out whenever and it drops down a little more for that as well. Uh, and then even crazier, on their stable coins, you can earn up to 10%, which is unreal if you think about the traditional bank account where you get you know, 1% to 0.1% interest annually. Uh, these guys are doing 10%. So if you've got some crypto that you're just holding uh, and you want to earn uh, some extra interest on it, head on over. There's a link in the description below. You can sign up, create an account, and start earning on your crypto today. And then the second thing or the second sponsor is CoinFlip. They're a Bitcoin or crypto ATM company. They're actually one of the largest in the industry. They're first largest by volume and third largest by number of machines. Uh, so if you've been out, you've been at a gas station, you've probably seen one of these machines before without even realizing it. So if you want to purchase some Bitcoin or a couple other cryptocurrencies at an ATM, you can head on over to their website, check it out, find the closest ATM to you, and then head out and purchase some crypto at it. On top of that, they launched their OTC desk probably two months ago now. Uh, it's kicked off without a hitch. I think that's the saying. I don't really know. Uh, but some cool things about it, because these guys are one of the largest in the industry, like I was saying, they are able to lower their fees and you get some of the lowest fees in the market. On top of that, they have an extremely low minimum $5,000 compared to much larger at other OTC desks. 
So if you've been considering picking up some crypto or some Bitcoin over the counter, you can head on over to their website. Again, we'll have a link in the description below. Now, thank you for bearing with me. Uh, there is one last thing I do want to say before we get into the episode. If you are listening to this on any of the podcasting platforms, I highly encourage you to head over to YouTube. Adam does a fantastic job of walking us through some charts and you're going to want to watch what he is walking us through. You're not just going to want to listen to it. So again, hit the description. Very first line is a link to the YouTube video itself. You can just click on it and it'll take you right there. Uh, and I'll see you guys over there. So thank you again for bearing with me. Now let's get into this episode with that. So I'm here with Adam Lee. We are going to be talking about a lot today. I'm very excited for this episode. Thank you so much for sitting down with me, man. Um, you know, thank you so much for, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man. I I've been looking forward to this since we kind of set it up. I actually <laughs> tweeted about it. The way it kind of came to be was awesome. You know, it was, DM'd you within like 10 minutes we mm -hmm. had an episode scheduled and this was maybe yeah. <laughs> two days ago so and you're over yeah. across the world so it's it's pretty awesome to be able to just sit down with you through a DM just real quick DM hey do you want to run an episode uh, so again thank yeah, you so the wonders much. of technology right right it's crazy crypto Twitter really <laughs> has brought you know the entire world together and we're all kind of in this together mm -hmm. so I I love it a lot of people talk some shit on crypto Twitter and say it's the worst place and vile and all this. But I mean, Hey, I'm sitting down talking to you. I'm about to learn about some very interesting topics and I know my audience is going to love this one. Um, so I kind of want to just give a little quick rundown. We're going to be covering a lot, you know, your trading strategy. We're going to get into a little bit of options, algos, market profile and order flow. Uh, so for my guests just sit back, relax, enjoy this episode. Um, Let's start with the order flow and market profile stuff. Can you, because I had someone on, I had Sting on, and he is an excellent trader, very high level, expert in his field. I love Sting. Yeah, right? Great <laughs> trader. Um, I look up to him a lot. <laughs> I got big shoes to fill. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I think you're going to do a wonderful job. Uh, do you think you can just give us like a quick crash course on it, what both of them are? how you trade them, maybe some terms that are thrown around uh, that some people yeah. might not understand? So like we can go super, like there's a lot of terms, but like the ones that I really wanted to talk about was the first one would be this idea of passive and aggressive market participants where you just have, that's just like a fancy way of saying like limit orders and market orders because for every, like say, let's say if you want to buy something, right, you can either put a limit order into the book which we would, we would say is like passive and you're not like you're patient and you have time to kind of wait to get filled. And if you're impatient, you can kind of just market buy or market sell. And that would be like aggressive or impatient. So if we take a look at the footprint tool, right? So the, well, the footprint tool is really good because it lets you see for people who don't know what it is, it lets you see exactly at what price level the volume was transacted. And that's good because if we just take like a really example of, let's say you trade price action, right? You know, people will trade something like, I think this is called a hammer, right? Where you have kind of this, this long wick and a small body. But the problem with something like this is that you don't know where the volume was in this candle, right? Because this is supposed to be, you know, like a reversal candle or whatever. 
But like in order for it to reverse you, it's not because it prints a hammer, right? The hammer itself doesn't mean anything, right? And all hammers, not all hammers are created equal. Like in order for price to go up, you need more buying than selling, right? And that doesn't necessarily come from more buyers. It could come from sellers who are shorting, let me just change this, who are shorting at the bottom, getting trapped. And then when price reverses, they have to close their positions and then it adds fuel to that upward move, right? But if you're just looking at a candle, you don't really see where the volume is, right? So if we take a look at the footprint tool, let's just take a random candle. Let me just turn on open, high, low, close, right? So on the left, we kind of have like the candle structure. And then we have the different volume transacted at each level. And this is good because on the right side, you have all of the aggressive buyers. So all of the market buyers. And then on the left side, you have all of the aggressive sellers or the market sellers. And this allows you to kind of see, you know, was most of the volume at the top, was most of the volume at the bottom. And then you have different settings where you can have kind of something like this, where it shows you a little more cleanly where the volume was. And I have it set up so that uh, if it's kind of dark blue, this is an area of high volume where there's more buyers. And then the red ones are the ones where it's high volume, but there's more sellers. So that's kind of the idea of like passive and aggressive buying. You always want to see, you always want to ask yourself, like, what is the market trying to do, right? Like, are there more people, are there more people buying? And if there are more people buying, like what is price doing? Is price following? Is price not following? Right. And then when you take kind of the, the difference, between aggressive buyers and aggressive sellers. So the difference between market buyers and market sellers, you have this thing called Delta. And if we look down here at this footprint bar statistics, we have this Delta right here. Now Delta is important because it shows you or it tries to tell you what the market participants are trying to do. And then, so for example, if we see an up move, we want to see positive Delta to indicate this move is healthy. And then if you want to, well, so the problem with Delta is that it's only for one candle, right? And that's where you have something like CVD, which is called cumulative volume Delta, which is just a running total of Delta. And basically like what you're trying to look for is you're trying to look for price going in one direction and you're trying to see Delta follow or not follow, right? And depending on if it follows or not follows, it tells you, or it gives you information about what is happening in the market. So I have like a really simple example right here. Can you see this one? Yeah, you're coming up. Okay. So if we have like, we have this, let me just circle We have this right here. Right? We have kind of this level established, right? the semi-level, and you come into this low right? and you see a lot of selling down here, right? Like a lot of red, a lot of volume, right? Thick bars. And then when you see price, kind of come back above it, what happens is all of these sellers down here, right now they're underwater. And when they're underwater, right, you know, they don't instantly close, right? But as soon as you lean on them a little bit, right? As soon as you put a little bit of, a little bit of buy pressure on them, you force them to kind of close and you add kind of fuel to the, to the up. Right? So that is just, it's like a really, that's like one of the really simple examples that you can use Delta for. Um, let me see. Um, then we also have, yeah, so that's basically it for the footprint. Like basically I'm just looking at 
what market buyers are doing and what market sellers are doing and how price is reacting to their actions. There we go. And is this something that you're kind of doing on the fly? Like you can look at a chart, see where the buyers and sellers are, how much has been bought, how much has been sold, and just make that decision to just say, hey, I need to either long or short here. Yeah, sure. I mean, like you can either be reactionary or you can kind of play it on the fly. Like that example that I gave would be something that you would play kind of on the fly. Maybe you like it comes into the low here. And as soon as it comes back, you might make the decision to be like, okay, well, now I feel like these people are trapped. I'm going to look to go long. Or, you know, you can, if we take a look at an example, maybe something like, maybe something like here, where we have this kind of structure and you see you have all these like red nodes blue nodes and one of the things that i like to do is when i first started i had a really bad problem of looking at price going diagonally i don't know if that makes sense but you know like people draw trend lines people draw triangles and for me that for me it never worked because i would think of price going diagonally but in reality like price if we remove time your price just goes up it goes down and you have liquidity above and you have liquidity below. And what I try to look for is what is the next point where price is going to be defended or price is going to kind of get stopped because there's been higher activity at this point. So if we take a look at something like, let me just zoom out. So if we take a look at something like this, where we have this kind of area right here, as well as this kind of area right here, we see there's more volume in these areas. So if we, in the future, right, we might assume that if price were to wick up, those might be points where it might stop. And I posted about this on my Twitter the other day where we had the line like right here and then the line like right here. And you can see that because price hasn't kind of washed over those areas, those are still kind of active points of liquidity. And the thing is, you don't need a footprint chart to do this. I've seen people do it on the candlestick chart as well. Um, but I just like the footprint because it, it's a little bit more visual. And then you have something like here, and then you have something like here, where you can kind of play maybe like a little bit more mean reversion. Um, so that's that's kind of how I use the, the footprint tool. Um, as for kind of something like TPO, TPO is just like a fancy way of showing you where price has been in terms of the time. Right? So it makes this kind of normal distribution curve, right? if you see just something like this, it's kind of like normal distributions or kind of normal distributions, right? Sometimes they, they make different shapes. Um, but basically where you have something like this orange, this is orange, right? I'm, I'm a little bit colorblind. <laughs> no, yeah, like dark orange is what I'm looking at. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like this, it represents like the point where price has spent the most time, right? So I, mean, I don't want to like add too many terms, but we have, you know, we have passive. No, have please, passive. as many terms as you want, because <laughs> I need to learn this stuff so that next time I talk to somebody about this, I'll actually know what they mean. Uh, because I remember with the last episode, it was just so far over my head. So please, as many terms as you want, I want everyone to understand this stuff. Perfect. Yeah, the thing with these is like, when you first start, there's a lot of terms. And I've always really enjoyed being able to kind of explain it in a way where like you don't need to remember the terms to kind of understand what's going on, right? So we have like passive and aggressive, which is just limit orders or buy orders. Then we have something called Delta, which is the difference between 
the number of market buys and market sells at any candle. We have cumulative volume delta, which is just the running total of delta. Right? And then we use these on a footprint chart, which is just shows you where volume was transacted at given price levels, if that makes sense. Right? It just shows you, like for example, if 9,000 to 9,010, how much volume was transacted at that at that price level for this candle, which lets you see inside the candle. So you can be a little bit more precise with your entries and you can be a little bit more precise with your stops. Then we have something which is TPO, time, price, opportunity, just a fancy way of saying, showing you on time, like where price has been, making these, oops, making these kind of pseudo normal distributions. Sometimes you have maybe like P shapes or B shapes or sometimes even like double titty shapes. Um, <laughs> so really quickly, I, this, I don't know if you're planning mm -hmm. on getting into it, but I just don't want to forget. So what do you, what does that tell you when you're looking at where kind of price has been? Like right. so the, the idea. Time. Yeah. So the idea with the idea with TPO is that price is always trying to find this idea of fair value, right? Because it's, Buyers are constantly looking at it and sellers are constantly looking at price and people are making decisions like, okay, is this cheap? If it's cheap, I'll buy it. Is it too expensive? Is it overvalued? If it's overvalued, I'll sell it. Right? So what you're looking for right, on the most like normal day where you have like a normal distribution, wow, that's really thick, where you have like a normal, <laughs> like a normal distribution, right? Fair value would be, you know, somewhere in the middle, which is you can see where price spent the most time transacting, right? And the reason that it's in the middle and it spent the most time transacting is because at the middle buyers and sellers are kind of like, okay, yeah, sure. Like this is not, not too bad. Like it's not too cheap, not too expensive, but if price comes below, right. Then we'll see buyers be like, wait, this is really cheap. I'm going to buy this. And they're just, they're going to buy it back. And if you go up sellers, are going to be like, wait, this is too overvalued. I'm going to sell it back in. Right. So you it kind of expect, price to rotate around this fair value. And then you have terms like value area. Value area is just a really fancy way of saying the area where the majority of the volume has been transacted. This is like around like one standard deviation. I believe it's like 67 or 68%. Uh, then you have the value area high, which is just the upper bound. And you have the value area low, which is just the lower bound. And then you have the point of control, which is just the point where if you're using TPO, it's the, where price spent the most time. If you're using volume profile, um, which is a, something a little bit different, which it does, a, it does the same thing, but instead of the time, it does it with volume, is the point where the most volume is transacted. Right? So then you have basically this kind of thing that you're looking for, right? You're looking for price. If it goes up, you want to see sellers kind of step in and bring it back. Price goes down, you want to see buyers step in and bring back up. And what you're looking for is you're looking for anomalies to this kind of behavior, right? Like if price comes up, if price comes up and you don't see sellers step in immediately, right? And you see kind of price start to transact at these higher prices. Well, then that tells you something about what buyers and sellers are thinking, right? It tells you that buyers think that this is a fair value. They don't think that this is overvalued and they're happy to keep buying at these prices. And you're also saying, you're also seeing that sellers might think that 
this is also fair value and they're not willing to kind of sell past this point. And that's really how kind of moves happen, right? Because price kind of rotates and it tries to find an area of balance where you have, you know, multiple days kind of overlapping. And what you can do is you can, especially on this one, so this software is exochart. What you can do is you can kind of merge these days to create this big kind of normal distribution. And what happens is when you see price go up and come back down, go up, down, come back up, when it goes up and it starts kind of spending longer and longer time here, you can kind of say that, okay, well, maybe this is a break from balance, right? And now maybe price is going to go higher because we're seeing initiative, we're seeing price being transacted at this higher and higher price, if that makes sense. That does make sense. So I, I'm just trying to figure out because it seems like there's two ways to play this. You can either look at it as price is going to kind of revert to that central, what was the TOC or? POC. POC, the point of point, control. Yeah, point, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so I, in my opinion or my thought when I'm looking at this and hearing you talk about it is you can either try to trade it to that point of control or like you were saying, when buyers start to step in and you're seeing that kind of increase in price, you can say, okay, people are finding a new fair value. It looks like it's kind of starting to trend up and then trade it based off of that. Uh, is, does that sound exactly. right? Are there two different ways to kind of look at this and trade this? And do you prefer one or the other? You know, that's exactly correct. Um, basically what I try to look for is I try to look for these ranges and I try to play mean reversion back into it. There we go. But the longer and longer you, the longer and longer that you kind of are in this range, then you start to kind of have to think like, okay, when is it going to break from this balance? And you can use many things to do that, right? You can use you know, like statistical analysis to see, you know, what day does Bitcoin is likely to move the most? Like its volatility is the highest. You can use the idea of, let me just write this down. You can use the idea of acceptance, which is just, we want to see price being accepted outside of fair value, which is just a fancy way of saying that it spends time outside of this value area. Um, then we can also use things like, you know, open, what open interest is doing. You can use heat maps. You can use uh, the order book to see if there's maybe a lot of buying, a lot of bid support or a lot of offer support where, you know, you can see big players trying to really bully price around. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of go about it. And I mean, everything's a probability, right? Like you just, at a, at a certain point, you just got to be like, okay, I'm going to take this trade. And then because I kind of record or journal my trades, I kind of know that this in the long run is a profitable trade. I might be wrong. I might be right. But this is a trade that is one of my setups and I'll take it. I mean, like that's kind of just how you have to go about it. There we go. So then, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of traders. Some of them are like, you know, Bitcoin trends like crazy. Uh, you're talking about kind mm -hmm. of more of this mean reversion, trying to get back to that fair value. Uh, when it does start to trend, are you kind of sitting out of the market or do you have trading strategies for that as well? Yeah, so like I'm primarily like a range mean reversion trader, but the thing with something like the footprint is that when Bitcoin trends, a lot of the times it doesn't go in a, I mean, on the high time frame it looks like it goes in a straight line. But if you really look down at like the one hour, or the 30 minute, it doesn't go in a straight line. It kind of, it goes up. And then what it'll, what Bitcoin loves to do is it loves to break down, trap everybody, and then fuel the move up. And then 
break down, trap everybody, and then feel the move up. I mean, like, I remember when we were after the C pump, right, when we came all the way down, when we had that big pump to 10K and all the way down, like, we were, like, we were spiking up and then just dumping, spiking up and then dumping. So, like, I think using the footprint tool, one of the things that I like to do here would be, like, a really good example where, you know, price kind of comes up. And then you have these, this would be like a void, right? Because if we look in a little bit closer, like price just blows through this on really high volume, really high delta, which is a good sign for, for continuation. And then what you see is you have these, okay, this is too thick. you have these kind of volume nodes, right? Where you might think price will wick down or that I think price will wick down. And I was talking about this with a friend. They were saying that, they thought that they were going to fill, it was going to fill the entire liquidity void right here. They thought it was going to go all the way maybe to this one. But then you can like, it kind of like wicks down and you can use the footprint tool if you think that it's trending to kind of just only trade one side of the market, if that makes sense. Like you just, if it's trending, just buy on at these, at these levels. And if you manage your risk correctly, then you can kind of like catch these up moves. Because you don't need, need to necessarily trade mean reversion all the time. Makes sense. Uh, so, you, you know, based on this kind of, you're not trying to, <clears throat> sorry, you're not trying to trade these huge moves at first. You're kind of letting it play out, seeing what happened, seeing where that volume is, seeing where you can get your entry and then riding it up after that. Yeah, exactly. Like, for example, like it was difficult to trade this one. I mean, I know a few people who long this, but it's just personally not in like what I do. Yeah. Because like, I don't know if it goes up or I don't know if it goes down. <laughs> like, I, like, honestly, like, I have no idea what price is going to do. I only kind of maybe know where price might stop or where price might kind of come to. I have no idea like where Bitcoin, like, I don't know if we're going to 20K. I don't know if we're going to 1K. Like, I don't, I don't have like a crystal ball, which is also why I don't like swing trade that much. I trade mostly the, like the low time frame. So that was, like, that was another I really question. Don't like holding. Sorry, sorry to cut you off there. That was another question. You know, normally I start with that kind of stuff. Is like, what what time frames are you looking at here, um, or what's your like go to right. time frame that you're trading on? Right. So I basically look at thirty minute to one hour. Sometimes I'll look at fifteen minute, but I really like. It's really important to be to understand what kind of person you are and what kind of psychology that you have. Right, like I don't think any trading style is better or worse. I don't think footprint or TPO is like some holy grail or it's better than anything. But like it works for me because it puts me in a lower time frame. I don't have to hold positions overnight. I like my personal psychology is like I like coming every day with a clean slate. I don't like being in positions too long. Um, it just it's just what suits me. So that's kind of just what I've gravitated towards, where it's like you know lower time frame more kind of fading moves, like fading these kind of breakups, catching like a little bit of the scalp. And then, you know, I might not get those giant moves, right? But like, it's not part of my main strategy. So like, I don't, I don't really mind. You don't care. Yeah. Some people are like, yeah. oh, I, I missed a 10% move. I missed a 5% move and they're losing their, their shit. But it sounds like you've got it pretty dialed where you're fine with that as long as you can get in and out of a trade after the fact and still make your money. Yeah, exactly, right? It's just about like what you're looking for, right? Like why should I be upset that I missed a 10% move if it's not something that I can 
trade profitably or com- comfortably, right? Right. You don't want to just be entering in blind longing, hoping for that 10% move. You're, you're waiting for it and then trading after the fact. Um, yeah, so- exactly. Like I like to wait until the, the dust settles and then, you know, see where the levels are and then kind of play that range. And then when I think it's going to break from the range, I might, you know, pull, pull my orders in the direction that it's going and then try to try to catch the move. But like, I think too many people want to be this sort of like high frequency, like giga brain Chad that just like <laughs> buys the tops, like like sells the top, buys the bottom, fucking shows their like 300 BTC PNL like for clout and stuff. Like it, it's really not necessary, right? Like you just trade the stuff that you're comfortable with, trade the stuff that you know you can trade, and hit your profit targets, and that's it, right? Like everything is everybody else is just noise. Just focus on what you can do. Focus on how you can make money. How you can be better and everything else will fall into place hopefully yeah no i think it will i think that's how things start to fall into place um i do want to dive Mm -hmm. a little bit more into that psychology but not yet uh you know normally Mm -hmm. i open up with an intro on the guest and i completely blew by that because of how excited i was (laughs) so i kind of want to take a step back i want to learn a little bit more about you before we dive even further into this can you just give my audience because i i apologize i I was ready to start the episode. There's so much to talk about. I got excited. Um, so can you just give us, you know, just a little bit of background on yourself kind of so we can get an idea of who you are, uh, how you've come to be this trader, yeah, of course. that sort of thing? Yeah, of course. I mean, I guess we can start from the very beginning. Like I was, I was born in Beijing. I'm Chinese. I grew up in Canada. Uh, growing up, I was a competitive ballroom and Latin dancer. Get out of um, here. Nope. The only reason I bring this, I bring this up for two reasons, because one is the only thing interesting about me. And number two, it's where I kind of got my work ethic from. Um, but uh, I used to be a competitive ballroom and Latin dancer. I represented Canada at a couple of world championships. Get out so of here. That's kind of, yeah. So that was like my, my big passion. That was that's like my, awesome. like I wanted to go, yeah, I wanted to go pro and stuff. Um, but as an only child of an Asian family, I had a lot of pressure to kind of go to university. So instead of going pro, I went to university for uh, economics with a minor in finance. Honestly, university was, I mean, like you kind of learn, but it's you, it's more of like just socializing and having fun and kind of just not really doing much. Um, the comp sci minor is paying off though. The economics minor is completely useless. Yeah. For me. <laughs> I mean, I studied economics and finance <laughs> com- as well. And uh, <laughs> the like math heavy courses, some of the comp sci classes that I had to take for the finance mm-hmm. degree very much helped. Mm-hmm. Economics was just like joke, raise the GPA, get that degree. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. So I, I used the there. same textbook for like three years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and then when I was in university, I, I had an opportunity to kind of um, intern at this new uh, up and coming, like it was like a, I guess it was, you could say it's like a prop shop. We were, we, what we were doing was we were trading macroeconomic news. So we would literally come in in the morning, sit there, they'd have a screen that would display the, the report and then it would show you like if it was above expectations or below expectations and like how much it was above or how much it was below. And then we would just sit there and like try and scalp and then get like eaten by the algos. But that was like my first introduction to trading. I, I didn't like the thing when I joined, they were still relatively new. So they didn't really have the infrastructure built out. So like, I didn't really learn about like support and resistance. I didn't learn about order flow, market profile. I didn't really learn about anything except for 
what the the news is and what it does more like macro stuff right yeah but that was like interesting because you know i would see the the teacher kind of scout the dom and i had no idea what was going on which was kind of cool um and then like halfway through university i started buying bitcoin i wasn't super early into bitcoin um i i think i bought my first i mean i was a broke university student so i bought my first like bitcoin not a full bitcoin but like i bought bitcoin for the first time I think when it was like around 500 or so relatively um, early then, i mean we hit 20k so yeah yeah <laughs> i but i was like a broke university student i didn't really like hold on to it um, yeah. <laughs> and then you made a little bit of money and you're like all right perfect let me get out that was awesome yeah exactly, yeah exactly like really didn't know what i was doing and then um and then i got into ethereum this was like pretty late i think ethereum was like 250 350 and then i made a, I made a little bit of money, but then like a lot of people, I know I was, I don't know how to trade. I don't really understand this kind of stuff. So I didn't sell and I basically held it. <laughs> you know, I feel like that's a story a lot of people can relate to everybody. And then even yeah. some of the and then, better traders on Twitter still say that they held all the way through 2017 into 2018 you know, didn't sell the top. Yeah, exactly. So chalk it up as a learning <laughs> yeah, experience exactly. for most of us, I'd say. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then, so after that, I graduated university. I came back to China. I started a startup. What I, I wanted to do a, a book summary startup initially, something similar to like Blinkist, but for the Chinese market. But what I ended up doing was I ended up partnering with a Hong Kong listed company and we built kind of um, like Patreon, but for Chinese content creators. Uh, and then that was a fun experience because we got to organize a lot of concerts for kind of K-pop artists in Hong Kong, Taiwan, Malaysia. So that was a really fun learning experience, being able to kind of manage a team of people and then kind of just running like a little, like a little startup. And then I ended up selling that to the, the listed company. And um, then I was like, okay, I would like to kind of pursue this trading thing because up until this up until this point i was you know buying and then kind of just not understanding what's going on occasionally i'll like come on at bitmax and then like get like like get a few wins and then just get liquidated <laughs> just blowing accounts left and right and then i was like okay now that i have like a little bit of money i might as well spend some time actually learning how to do this because you know it's been a couple of years i really do have some interest in this and then that's kind of how i, I came to trading I started with um, this course called Block Roots, which in my opinion is like very, very good for like fundamentals and like building your foundation. And then after that, I kind of just went on my own and then learned from like the internet. I know I know Tommy and Sting have a really good course, right? BTC Market Profile. So it is Young Talopa. And then um, a lot of like online stuff like Axia Futures, a lot of YouTube, and then just a lot of... Um, uh, trial and error and i was also really fortunate to be able to kind of meet on crypto twitter right um a lot of uh a lot of traders that i've been able to kind of been lucky enough to bounce ideas or to learn from or just you know be friends with and that was kind of that's kind of where i am right now i'm just really focused on how i can get better as a trader what i can do to increase my bank account and that's that's where i am right now it's a hell of a story, man. Um, going back to the professional dancing and then giving that up to go to mm -hmm. university, was that 
pretty much just your parents kind of strong arming you there or you know do, do you regret that decision at all right so the funny thing is my parents didn't actually it was not actually my pressure from my parents they were actually happy with me going pro but the thing is like because i'm an only child like i i put a lot of pressure on myself um because the thing about dancing is it doesn't you don't make a lot of money right? yeah like you know it's not bad but you're it's like it's basically manual labor right like you're dancing to teach which is i guess okay but like i really wanted to or i put a lot of pressure on myself to you know go to university so i could you know kind of support my parents when they get older which is also why i got into this this, this trading thing um but yeah i had a huge identity crisis when i was in university because you know you go from being one of the best in the world at something to be basically being nobody <laughs> or you don't have any being skills terrible like, at it yeah yeah Very exactly yeah, like you change. go from having the skills yeah exactly like i i struggled a lot with kind of my identity not having something to kind of work at to grind at because that's kind of like my personality like when i really like something i i go all in like 100 percent or nothing like hero or zero right um that's just kind of my personality um so I struggled, I struggled with that for a lot of like many, many years in university. Um, and then I found this trading thing and, and now I feel like, like it's great because now I have something that I can grind at and something that I can, you know, get better at every day and just, and, and really put my effort and time into. So that's really cool. Yeah. Found some purpose, found passion, something mm-hmm. you can exactly. work at, like you're saying every day and kind of excel in. We've, I've slowly seen that you've, you know, started making a name for yourself on Twitter. Uh, you've got some people mm-hmm. that you look up to that you're learning from continuing to get better every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now you're here, you know, teaching some other people to hopefully do the same. So again, man, it's, <laughs> hopefully uh, it's been informative <laughs> so far. It has, it really has. Um, so <laughs> thank you for that kind of insight into who you were, kind of how you've developed your trading strategy, some of the people that you've kind of mm-hmm. leaned on and learned from. Uh, so mm-hmm. I do want to get back to your actual trading strategy and what you're looking at. Uh, I know this is probably something that you're looking at on a daily basis, but do you think you could take it a mm-hmm. step back, start at just a naked chart beginning of the day? Where do you start? What do you look for? How do you get to, all right, I'm going to take a trade. So I, I really enjoy, so let's say we're ranging, right? What I, what I usually do is excuse me um i don't like drawing traditional support and resistance right like you'll see people draw like support and resistance right i that's personally not how i like to do it i'm not i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that it's just for me my whole thing is that i want to work with volume i want to work with transactions as closely as i can right so i really enjoy using something like volume profile which is very similar to TPO, except it does volume instead of time, where I'll, let's say we're ranging here, and I'll come and I'll plot this fixed range indicator, or sometimes I'll just use visible range onto this range, and I it shows me where the volume has been, right? and what I'll do is maybe I'll mark a few lines, like this area, turn off the magnet, where I'll mark this area, I'll mark kind of like these high volume areas, as well as sometimes like the low volume areas. Because what we have is my my trading is basically based off of high volume notes and low volume notes. Right? 
because low volume nodes are areas where price did not spend a lot of time. And you can assume that price like wicks in here really violently. And then high volume nodes are just areas where, you know, price may, you can assume that price will be defended when it comes back. It's because there's been a greater amount of buying activity here. Uh, so basically I'll come onto this maybe like four hour, maybe eight hour. Um, occasionally I'll go onto the weekly and daily, maybe like every couple of weeks, just to kind of get an idea of everything. But I'll kind of just plot these lines. And then, so I'll give you an example of how volume profile can be useful. So let's say that we take, just so that we're not looking in hindsight, let's take something like fixed range from here until maybe somewhere here, right? We're seeing price come down and like you don't really know where price is gonna go, right? So what I like to do is I like to use these volume areas. So we see this area right here where we have this area right here where we have this amount of volume like this could be like a good place that price will bounce right and this like red line that's moving this is just the point of control of the entire range but it changes right so it just showed me what the current and shows me what the past points of control were so we can see that like price did eventually kind of wick through here right like we, we wicked through this point of control we grabbed all of this liquidity and that's kind of like where we stopped and then another example that i give you is actually from yesterday where we have this node right here, right? And what we had, what we saw was we saw price go through this point of control, find support, and then continue. I mean, this was what I, I was talking to a few people about this because this was one of my main reasons to, to go to like look for a long here. Uh, so then after I look at this kind of higher time frame, four hour, eight hour, I'll come onto the TPO. TPO is good for a little bit shorter time frames, maybe like the daily, like I'll get to take the couple hours, and I'll kind of just see what's going on. Um, I'll see where the 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 naked we call them naked points of control. Right? Naked points of control are just points of control where price has not visited or revisited yet, right? So they're like they're open, right? they're like uncovered, and as soon as price kind of passes through them it grabs that liquidity and then they become quote unquote like covered or closed or however, however you want to call it. So I'll look at, I'll look at that. Um, a couple of examples of trades that I would actually look to take would be, for example, if we were somewhere, I mean, hindsight is really powerful, but these are, these are actually trades that I would, I think that I would want to trade where we have this point of control here. We have this point of control here and then this point of control here. Right. So if we just, let me see if we can draw a couple lines. Something like that. And I posted about this on my Twitter, actually, um, just so you know that I'm not doing this in hindsight. <laughs> I, I, I love that you call this, out the hindsight then... trading because I've had people on who I'm listening to them talk <laughs> and the way they're describing their mm -hmm. trading strategy, you know, they've got an old chart up and I would do this here and I would do yeah. that there. And I'm like, yeah, it seems kind of like a lot of hindsight here. Uh, and you're kind of fitting a narrative yeah, exactly. to fit your trading strategy. Exactly. Now. Yeah. I like that you're you're calling yeah, yourself exactly. out here. <laughs> yeah. The thing with hindsight is like it's it's easy to it's easy to do hindsight, right? But let me see if I can actually pull that pull that tweet up. Oh, you don't you don't have I, it's to. It's okay. You do, well, yeah. You do I, not yeah. have to do there, that. Yeah. <laughs> the tweets out there, if anyone but wants I, to verify I, this. Yeah. So I posted about this where I was saying like we might like 
come down to visit one of these points of controls. I don't think it was this one, actually. I think it was a different one. But I definitely posted about these two. And just as an example, so a hindsight trade would be something like, okay, like you see how price wicked down here, right? Like this is, nah, that's too thick. Price wicked down here. This is like the point of control. Yeah, yeah. Right? This would be a good trade, right? That would actually be a trade that I would take, but I did not take that. So I'm not going <laughs> to pretend that I did. Yeah. I but this one that. I did post about where you see how when we broke out the first point of resistance that we had was this, this first point of control right here. Right. And I did post about this and this would be like, yeah, you missed this up move. Right. But you get filled here and price, I believe it retraced all the way down to like the mid 92s or even 93. So that would have been like a really good scalp if you took it as well as, as well as this point of control right here. Right. So that's basically what I do on the TPO. But what I'll do is, like I'll, let me see if I can close this. I'll use the merge function. What's going on? A little bit laggy. Okay, yeah, so if I can take, this happens often because I, I live in China and my VPN is, it's the, the great firewall life. It's all good. <sighs> I hate it when this happens. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay. No, no, don't, so don't stress. What I'll do is, what I'll do is I'll like merge. Obviously, like we've been in a pretty big range for a while, but let's say I'll merge like, yeah, this range has been really big, but I'll merge. Let's just like go for an example. Right? Like I'll merge this together, and then when price starts to break up, I might take this like I might I might take like a long break from balance long, and I'm just looking for price to mean revert or price to break out. On the TPO, I'm mainly looking for two things. I'm mainly looking for price to break out of these ranges. And I'm also looking for what we call poor highs or poor lows. This is just a really fancy way of saying uh, price not making this sort of like tail that we were talking about, where we have, where we have, Right. Normally you'll see something like this, right? A poor high would be something like something like that, where it's really blunt, right? Where price came up and it wasn't, it didn't elicit a proper response from the sellers. Right. And when this happens, you can assume that price is going to revisit this area in order to really kind of get sellers to react properly and to really like define what their intentions are. So on the TPO, let me delete that. On the TPL, I'll look for these break from balance trades. But my main strategy is I just go onto this footprint. I don't use the TPO as, as much as I would like, to be honest. I'm a little bit lazy when it comes to that. Um, there's a, some really good traders that use TPO a lot more than I do. But I really like using the footprint and just doing the exact same thing as what I was doing on the TPO and on the higher time frame, but just on the lower time frame, right? Where you have this. And then you have these volume nodes that I'm interested in, and I'm just waiting for price to wick through them. Right. So if we take a look at it right now, we've broken above, broken above this point of control. We broke, and now we found a new point of control kind of in this area. What I what I would be looking for, right? We've kind of broken above here. 
what I would be looking for is I would be looking for a clean range to be set. So if we go onto the footprint, what I'm looking for, this node right here is really interesting to me. I might, I would look to play maybe a wick into there and a bounce. As for something on this side, this one would be interesting for me because this one is already covered. This one is basically gone. I'd be looking to play a wick in here. And obviously like they don't always get whipped into, but what I basically do is I just go on to the chart. I look for these nodes and then I look for price to wick into them. And I look for like a quick scalp and that's kind of what I do. And then I'll use something like trading light. Trading light is really nice because I mean, like heat maps in my opinion are useful maybe five to 10% of the time. The rest of the time it's noise. Um, but when they do give you an opportunity, it's very good. So for example, as a really simple example, when we had that Darth Maul yesterday, if you take a look at BitMEX, we had huge buy walls at BitMEX, right? Just kind of holding price up. So if you were looking at this, you would say, okay, well, like this might be, this might be, you know, enough, enough conviction to go take a long. And one of the reasons that I kind of got popular, I guess, you could extend like kind of popular on, on crypto Twitter was last month or a month and a half ago, there was this really nice, um, really nice play that I, I pointed out where OKEX was using futures. They were using futures. Let me just try and scroll back here. They were using futures to, they were opening longs on futures and using buy walls to prop price up. What they did was they would prop price up and then they would squeeze it directly into their, into their spot cells. And then they would close their future positions to kind of crash price. So for example, we see something like this, right? Where I posted about this on Twitter as well, where we came up and then we have these buy walls that are just supporting price. And we have this kind of like sandwich right here. This was, I think when options was, were expiring. And then we have just these like buy walls that are just holding price up. And if you look at the CVD, which when we talked about earlier is the difference between uh, the aggressive, the amount of aggressive buying and a market buying versus market selling, we see CVD just going down, right? Which this tells me that someone is on the other side absorbing all of this selling, which means that they want to take it higher. And the thing is, if you look at open interest, it matches as well, right? Where like where it see open interest starting to climb. And open interest is just the total amount of uh, contracts open at any time. And then, so what I was saying was, okay, they're opening the positions at nine four nine five, and then we're going to, like, if they open positions here, they're not going to close them at what like nine seven. It's like two hundred bucks, three hundred bucks. Like that's not. It would be much better, like, from a risk reward perspective open these positions here, squeeze price up, have everybody FOMO in thinking they're going to miss the bull run. And then first off, the squeeze goes directly into their spot cells. And then they just close their positions to dump because now they've engineered a lot of buying liquidity because everybody is like, okay, we're breaking out, we're breaking out, we're breaking out. We're going to go to fucking 350K, 1.3 million <laughs> stock to flow. Let's fucking go, right? <laughs> and everybody starts buying. <laughs> and then you see the sell wall come in, right? The sell wall just stays here, right? And this, was, this would be like a clear, 
not like a clear, but like you can, you can be pretty confident in kind of shorting here. And you see open interest start to go down, which means that they're closing the positions and then price just absolutely moves. And then they do pretty much the same thing over again. This was one of my better trades actually. And then you see them do the same thing. And then this was the other trade that I wanted to talk about was I got a little bit chopped up in this one, right? Because I was still a little bit newer to the heat maps and I was still getting chopped up a little bit. But then when I saw this, where they have this, if you see on MEX, people were memeing about the 50 million, the 50 mil spoof. How do I get to that screen? Right, I don't know if you remember, but there was a, we had a big rally and then we came down and then there was a $50 million buy wall on MEX, just incentivizing people to kind of buy and holding price up. And then people were memeing about it on Twitter. And then what ended up happening was when the buy wall got lifted, you, you saw sell walls pop up on BitMEX right here. You see right here, this thing right here, right? This was very clear. This is the 50 mil. Let me see if I can zoom into that. Right, yeah, 56.44 mil spoof right here. And then followed immediately by sell walls that are moving closer to price, right? They're moving down as price moves down. They're not just like staying there like a little bit farther away. And then on OKX, you had this sell wall as well. And I, I marketed shorted here and, and then we came down, right? But the, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that heat maps are useful when they're useful, which is like maybe 10% of the time. But the rest of the time, it's just noise. It's a lot of noise. Um, and I think the problem that people have is that they think they see a buy wall and they're like, oh man, I'm just gonna buy. They see a sell wall, oh, I'm just gonna sell. But they really need to understand kind of the mechanics behind, behind like what is going on, like what is open interest doing and what is, what is Delta doing? What is the market trying to do? So that's kind of what I do. I'll go high time frame. I'll plot these areas of kind of, how would I say this? Areas of like interest, areas of interest, I guess, like low volume nodes, high volume nodes. I'll come onto the TPO. I'll see if we're in a range. If we're in a range, I'll see where we are in that range. Are we above, below, in the middle? Are we, are we looking to break out, break down? But then most of the time I just spend time on this footprint chart being like, okay, where are these nodes, right? Where are these nodes? I'm going to assume that price is going to wick into them. And I have my, I used to use a hard stop, but now I'm actually leaning towards more of like a time stop where like if price wicks into here and it doesn't reverse, you know, maybe like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, then I'll just cut the position. Um, but yeah, like I'm looking for basically these, these nodes that, are uncovered right these like these naked notes and i'm just looking to like to just trade that trade those bounces i'm a, I'm a dirty wick catcher basically like long story short no that was, that was perfect i think that gave us perfect insight into kind of what you do when you start your day and how you find these trades mm -hmm. that you're looking for um really quick just for a little bit more insight because you said you're on the 30 minute and the hourly is when you're kind of mm -hmm. looking to take trades uh, I know this changes on a day-to-day -day basis, but average or roughly uh, how many times are you taking a trade a day? Are you taking a trade every day? Uh, what's it been like kind of figuring out, okay, I need to take this trade versus I can kind of sit out here um, and wait for the next one? Right. So when I was talking to a bunch of order flow traders, I noticed that 
they're really on like the five minute or the tick chart or the 15 minute, like really, really low time frame. I would say that I'm a little bit higher time frame. I take maybe on a good day, like three, two max trades. Like I'm really looking for that, like one push that we have like every day where we're like trying to go somewhere and then it just gets rejected, right? Like you'll see those very often in Bitcoin where you have like the wick up and then it just comes back down. Right. And we were just like playing that mean reversion all day. And those don't really, like, I live, because I live in Asia, like the Asia session sometimes is not like, I'll wake up for the daily close, which is my 8 a.m. And then it'll be kind of dead, not always, but like kind of dead throughout the day. And then in the evening, like 4 p.m. after the four hour close, like 5.30 and then the eight hour close and then midnight, those are areas where, you know, price will, kind of try to make a run for it. And then more often than not, they'll get, they'll just get like shut down and just like get mean reverted. So I would say like on a good day, I might take two, two to three trades. There we go. Okay. Yeah. So I know some people are trying to take 15, 20 trades a day. There's other people who take one trade mm -hmm. a month. You know, I'm, I just like to get mm -hmm. a good idea of where my guests are kind of at. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I'm assuming that you're not forcing these trades. You're kind of, if you don't see anything, you're not taking trades on a good day. You say two trades or so. Um, yeah, exactly. So like if, you know, sometimes I'll be feeling it and I'll be like, okay, I'll take this trade. Other times I'll be like, oh, I don't know. Like maybe I see something on the heat map. Maybe I'm just not feeling it. Uh, it. It is quite discretionary, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to move towards a more like hybrid, like hybrid system. So I, I actually, I actually coded um, a few things that would help me. So the first thing that I made was I made this like order order bot where I would input the high, the upper bound of these nodes and the lower bound of these nodes. And then it would just kind of ladder, ladder in price and then set, set a stop for me. Cause otherwise I have to like, be like, okay, this is 9,500. How much risk do I want? I got to calculate. I got to take out the, the calculator app. I got to take out my abacus. Right? I got to like <laughs> figure out for every of these notes yeah. where like where prices, right? And like, it's just a lot of work. So that was the first thing that I wanted to do. Um, and then I ended up making sort of like a, like a data feed as well as a few other things. So I wanted to ask about this actually. And I did want to get into the algo stuff as well, uh, which is kind of where it sounds mm -hmm. like conversation is heading. But before we get to... Because in your bio, it reads, you know, I, I can't remember the exact terms, novice or starting to learn about, you know, algos market making. And I want to get into that. Uh, but you you mentioned this data feed that was inspired by Sim. And I had Sim on not too long ago. So I kind of want to see what you're working with here, what you're looking at with regards to this data feed. Sure. Oh, that was a really good episode, by the way. Appreciate that. So basically, let me see. Um, so I got into... I got into making like a data feed or more like algorithmic trading because I think it just suits my personality a little bit better. Cause like we were talking about before, I'm a huge, like I love fading moves. I love kind of playing mean reversion. I love just kind of like quote unquote shorting volatility. Not really sure. Like, like I like it when price doesn't move. I like, I like it when it ranges. I don't like when price expands. That's really where I'm like the most comfortable. So you're the worst. It was kind of natural. I'm over here saying you <laughs> yeah. need to go straight to a hundred thousand. And that's what all of I Twitter's rooting that. for. We all hate you because you say, I want this yeah. range forever. Yeah, exactly. I would love this range forever. It would be, it would be great. Like, I don't have, like, I don't have a really 
strong high time frame bias. Obviously, I would love it if we went to a bajillion dollars, just you know, it's, it's easier. But like, I also like, I've never been okay. We're gonna go to one k, or we're gonna go to like fifteen k. I've always just been like, I don't know, man. Like, price is gonna go somewhere. Yeah, I'll trade it wherever it <laughs> does go, and in the meantime, yeah, exactly. I'll make my money. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I got. That was like that was the reason why I kind of really like options and uh, algo trading was because for options, right? You can you can sell calls and you can sell puts and you know you can make a little bit of money that way. Um, but I quickly realized that algo, like I can understand with options, I can understand I understand the first order Greeks. I understand how options work. I don't like when it comes to like second order or third order Greeks. Like I just can't remember them all. Like I have like I just it's really difficult to remember them all. They all have different symbols. They all have they all have like names that start with the same letter. Like I have a hard time with English already. So like, I kind of want to learn like the symbols. Um, so then I wanted to try out algorithm, like more like algo stuff. Um, and what happened initially was I built a few tools. Like I built, I built a Binance tool where I could kind of, the, the main feature that I wanted was like an oh shit button where I can, instead of like going to each token and like selling manually, which by the time you finish selling, like the bear market is over. Um, I, I basically made one where I could just market sell everything at once. <laughs> and I can also just like market buy everything at once. Like I'll input maybe like five tokens and then I'll like distribute my money equally. And then I'll just like buy them equally. And then I made that uh, order order bot that I was telling you about that helps me just kind of like layer in, uh, layer in orders. And then I made like the first version of like an algo, which I don't really want to go, like it works off of, I really want to say what it works off of, but no, it, you, you don't it, have to. It, this it is, gives me, yeah. <laughs> That's your edge right it there. It gives me know, like right? entries. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. So it, it, it uses something. I mean, if you follow my Twitter, people already know what it is, but I, I you know, uh, you want to make so it hard. It gives me them. these entries. Yeah. It, it gives me these entries and it just plays these meter version and, and then I was like, okay, well, I, I saw Sims like data feed. I was like, this is gangster. This is super gangster. <laughs> I want to do something like that. <laughs> this is super cool, right? And because like, I was looking at trading light, and what I what happens on trading light is I'll have eight tabs open. Like I'll literally have I'll have OKX spot, OKX futures. I'll have Deribit, Coinbase, Biz. I'll have all of these open, and then I have to like go through them. And I just it was really difficult to like the heat map was great. But in terms of like the order book, I had a really difficult time kind of keeping up. So I decided to kind of make, oh, I hope it works, but I kind of make make this like data feed. It's not done yet. Um, so we have like space for graphs uh, and it connects to kind of all of the exchanges. I still have to optimize a lot of stuff, but so top left would be like the algo controls because it started off as like, okay, I'm running like four algos. Um, each one with like different sensitivities and different kind of directions. So I have like two that are like buy only and two that are sell only. And each one is like a different sensitivity. So I need a way to be able to turn them on and off. I need a way to be able to set, you know, if I want them to be aggressive, I want them to be passive. I want to be able to set my position size. Right. So that was the beginning of it. And then I was like, you know what, this is kind of fun. So I like kind of explored this data feed where we have, all of the exchanges. I still need to add Kraken, um, Bybit, and Darebit. And then we have kind of this like pseudo AGGR knockoff right here, which shows me like all of the 
all of the, the large orders. And then we have a transaction counter here, which just shows me, you know, what is the, what kind of transactions are coming through? Like, is it 100K above, is it 1K? And then we have like tape speed, which is just like how fast the trades are coming in. So for each exchange, as well as an aggregated, this one is really useful because if you approach like a significant level and you see kind of a bunch of trades just like going and just full sending it, like that tells you something. And it tells you, you know, whether or not market participants are interested at, at these levels. And then we have volume speed on the left here, which is just how fast the volume is coming in. This is bugged right now. It's supposed to like, if it's positive volume, it goes to the right. If it's negative volume, it goes to the left. At the moment, I think the, the negative volume is a little bit bugged. And then delta speed, I'm gonna remove this. This is this is not supposed to be here. And then I was just going to plot these as well on a graph because I found that these bars, they're nice, but I would like to be able to have like kind of like a historical view of the of the bar. And then we have, well, yeah, that's basically it. it the, the order book is, is pretty nice. And then I have um, space for a few graphs here that I've been looking at. Um, and that's basically it, yeah. <laughs> To put it simply, this is fucked up. Like <laughs> the the fact that you, have you pretty much built this out yourself? Yeah, yeah. So I I psycho. started off with the command line thing. I'm sorry. You're psycho. <laughs> I mean, I, I I've I found that I really enjoy beating my head against the wall. Yeah. When it comes to code, like <laughs> I can code like <laughs> like honestly, like Google Google and Stack Overflow is so powerful. Like I. Like this is done in PyQt. Um, initially, I had the command line one, but then I was like, "Okay, man, you can't do the command line one. You're just gonna be like a knockoff sit. Like that's you gotta have something that's like, you know, your own, right?" So I didn't really want. I really didn't want to do the command line one because I really didn't want to like fully copy Sim, even though this is like heavily inspired by him. So then I was like, "Okay, Google like what like best like best Python uh, GUIs," and then this is kind of like what I came up with. Um, it, I mean it. It looks cool, uh, but like PyQt has this like designer software where you kind of just drag and drop the buttons that you want, and it kind of creates this layout for you, and then you just kind of like add the code in. Um, the one thing that that I noticed about the data feed is that it's it is a lot of um, kind of noise. I was gonna ask. Like, um, it, a lot of times I'll. See, mm -hmm. No, well, yeah, I mean, you pretty much hit hit it spot on. I was gonna ask. You know, the, some of this seems like it could just be noise. Like, is this what you're going to be yeah. looking at on a day-to-day -day basis when it's finished? Or are you still going to have your charts up? Where are you going to spend most of your time? I'm just trying to get an idea of, you know, how useful this thing is going to be. Right. Well, for, I would probably, like, I would keep this up for sure. Um, the thing that I noticed is that, like, I'll see volume speed. I'll see pace speed just go crazy. And then I'll, I'll be like, oh, man, that's that's lit. And then I'll look at the chart and the price moves like ten dollars, so it, it's a lot of trial and error. Right? Yeah, like I, I am thinking about different ways that I could implement these things because they are useful. But I just think that maybe the bars are not the best way to represent them or to visualize them. So it is a lot of trial and error. Um, but the order book is quite nice because it it does allow you to kind of visualize like where are the walls and where are like are there like enough buyers or sellers or like what is happening? The one thing that I am missing is I think I need a kind of historical representation of the volume that's come in because right now after the volume comes in, I don't really have a good way of looking quickly, like which exchange the volume is coming from. I have like Delta and then I have something called Delta trades here, which 
shout out to no coiner for for showing me but um i do have the deltas here um but like i don't have a good way of visualizing them right now so i was thinking about adding that in uh just so i could like kind of see like okay what happened 10 minutes ago what happened 30 minutes ago um but yeah i'm mainly just excited to connect the algo to this and then be able to kind of control it like turn it on and turn it off like position size it and then that kind of stuff it's wild man you're huge congrats <laughs> to you i should say first uh you know you're being very humble about you know how easy this was to build it i'm sure it was very difficult and to anyone who's just looking at this they're probably losing their mind um so huge congrats <laughs> it's really nice to kind of get an idea of what you want to be looking at uh, what is kind of mm -hmm. important to you and then how you kind of filter out that noise. So thank you for kind of walking us through that. Um, I do mm -hmm. want to get back to something that you mentioned a little bit earlier, which was, uh, you know, the options and you're kind of getting into algo trading now. Um, and I know you said you're no expert, you're kind of a novice learning, still learning. Mm -hmm. um, but I do want to kind of get your perspective on it and kind of learn a little bit from you as someone who's early on in it because again like like when i talk to some of these very high level guys in whatever trading field they're in uh it's kind of there's a kind of a disconnect between a lot of my audience and what they're talking about and so to have a happy medium like yourself that's kind of new to the process as well i think my audience can learn a lot about that uh so do you think we can kind of just dive into your experience with both of these a little bit more yeah of course so for options like just teach you us, can, teach us a little off. bit about options because I remember taking a couple courses in college and learning about it, but it's all since mm -hmm. washed away and I don't have any knowledge. So maybe just <laughs> a little bit. Teach us something about options. Right. So like options, I guess for just norm regular people who you know aren't super gigabrain. Like I'm not gigabrain at all. Right? <laughs> so like you have people like Theta C, you have people like Peeling on Cap, and like those guys, you know, they they do really good analysis on kind of they can like look at what's happening in options to like gauge market sentiment, like look at orders that are coming in to like see where the big big players are positioning. But for the most part, like I like to use options just to like do either directional plays or to like short volatility. Like directional plays, right? You can just buy like, if you think it's gonna go up, you buy a call. I think it's going to go down just buy like a put right and then depending on like what price you bought it at like did you buy it you know at the market you know, in the money start in the money or out of the market or out of the money uh, or at, at, the, at the money right and then like the thing about like derivate has a really good position builder where you can kind of just like input um what you want to buy and that kind of shows you your like profit curve um I know it's a meme now, but you can use options to kind of hedge your position. Right? Like I know everybody like memes it now on CT. We're like, yo, I'm hedged. Yeah. Right? Like no matter what you do, you're hedged. <laughs> oh, you're out of the market. But, like, it is yeah. true to a sense, right? Like, yeah. No, if if yeah. used correctly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, that's that, that's what I think about. Like, sorry mm -hmm. to interrupt you there, but that's what I think s happens a lot on CT is these guys who know how to properly properly use these tools and properly hedge start tweeting about it and then other people kind mm -hmm. of try to mimic it but they have no idea what they're talking about yeah. they just sound like dummies uh and then it turns into this kind of me yeah, exactly. in reality you know it's actually very beneficial mm -hmm. so like from the way that i understand options when i was talking to a few people basically like you have like implied volatility and you want to buy <clears throat> oh man i can't 
actually can't. now that you put me on the spot i can't remember which one's which <laughs> but like so you want to you want to buy when the op- basically you want to buy options when they're cheap and you want to sell them when they're expensive right because if you sell them you can collect the premium the premium is higher um but for most people like one thing that you can do is like if you think it's going to go up and you're like let's say you're trading on derivatives or something and you're in a long position you can like buy options to kind of quote unquote hedge your position but what a lot of people do is they just use it to like let lever up to be honest yeah i feel like, like options are just, are just another gambling form of, with options <laughs> yeah like lever like options is just another form of leverage basically right because you're buying you're buying the contract for like a premium price right but you're effectively effectively using the same amount of money to kind of lever up um but yeah like the thing that i like to do on options if I really think that price is going to range, I'll I'll sell I'll sell options to kind of keep price in the, in this like middle area. But for example, on Deribit right now, I have a bunch of I have a bunch of like out of the money call options. I had a bunch of I had a few puts as well, but I kind of sold them. Um, I'm not sure which one's the right. Not sure which one's the right one, but I decided to buy some Ethereum call options. Basically, I was copy trading a uh, the three arrow the three arrows guy su, 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 yeah that guy is a monster Dude, he's that insane. Is a monster he he is like the like, biggest big brain on twitter yeah he is giga brain like so <laughs> like, I, me, me and my, my friend and i uh eric eric judah eric judah is a really smart guy one of my good friends um he's also on twitter as well he he has been playing options a little bit longer than i have so i talk to him about it sometimes and then try to like get alpha where i can and he was the one that kind of showed me Suju and like, man, that guy's so smart. So like, I kind of just, like, he, he's like balls deep in a bunch of at the, at the money call options. And I, I was like, okay, that, like, that kind of makes sense. Cause what I was doing was I was doing really dumb stuff. Like I would just like buy random stuff and then probably just lose money. And then I would be like in the money and I would look at my P and L be like, wait, <laughs> I thought I was supposed to make money, but I actually lost money. How did that work? <laughs> so like, it, I think it's just something that, you kind of just got to play around with. Um, I know Macro, Macro Hedge has a really good course that they put on discount sometimes. I think normally it's a couple K, but when they have it on discount, it's like $250. So like that Macro Hedge course was really, really helpful um, in kind of just understanding what's going on. Like I went from, I went from not being able to understand it at all to being able to kind of read um, Peleon Cap and like Deribit Insights and be able to kind of like read that and then kind of kind of understand it. Um, Peleon Cap has a really, really good, uh, what's it called? A really good uh, crash course on options on his pinned profile. Uh, it's his pinned tweet. It's like a 67 or like 80 tweet thread. And he basically does a crash course of options. So that one was really helpful for me. Here yeah. we go. So that's kind of your intro to options. Do you think you're going to kind of go any mm-hmm. deeper or what's the plan there? Because I feel like you've got a lot going on. Uh, you've got this this data feed that you're working on. Uh, you're continuing mm-hmm. to develop your trading strategy. Do you think options are something that you're going to continue to explore? Yes, for sure. I have, I have a really big interest in options just because I think they're very interesting. Um, but I am taking my time with them. Like what I've, what I've done was I've kind of finished like a base level of knowledge where I can kind of understand what's going on and then i'm just like using any free time i have and putting a little bit of money when i have it into options and then kind of just honestly just doing trial and error playing around with position builder um trying to kind of realize my uh, 
directional bias in the form of options, whether that's, you know, directionally or volatility, uh, like where, I, where, where I think it's going to range right, by either buying or selling. Um, and I'm just trying things out. Like I'm not putting a lot of money into it. Like it's just like, you know, I'll occasionally put a little bit in and then just play around with it. And then if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I haven't incorporated it into like, I'm not like, okay, I'm long. Now I'm going to hedge with options. It's kind of just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have a little <laughs> bit of money on here. I'm just going to let's gamble, buy stuff that I think works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basically like trying to make informed decisions, right? Like I try not to buy random, like completely randomly. It's kind of like, okay, I think price is going to do this. I think this is a good, you know, setup that I can buy, take a look at position builder. Um, and then if I like it, I'll just buy it. And then when the time comes, I'll be like, okay, does it work? Does it not? And if it doesn't, like, why did it work? Usually I get stuck there. Usually like, I have no idea why I didn't work. But like, it's, it's trial and error, right? Like, you're yeah. just trying things out. It's a slow process. You're learning. There's a yeah. lot to learn. And there's very smart people uh, who trade options. Yes, definitely. So you got a lot of people to learn yeah. from, but also a lot of people who are more than happy to take your money. So... Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm definitely not the guy to ask about options. Like I, like I'm not comfortable talking like in depth about options at all. Cause like for me, it's like, it's something that I want to explore eventually. But at the moment I'm like a complete scrub. Hey, hey like, man, I'm, that's, I'm that, fine with that. That's okay. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like a lot of people on Twitter are trying to be these big brained. I'm so smart. Yeah. I know exactly what I'm talking about. Flex for cloud. Yeah. Um, you know, start exactly. a paid group or some bullshit. And I really like that. Hey, <laughs> yeah. You're no bullshit here. You're telling me, Hey, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot. I'm learning. I'm losing some money, but that's okay because that's how you develop mm -hmm. these strategies and learn. Uh, and yeah. I really appreciate that. You're able to sit down and say that. So that's kind of the little intro to options on your end. Um, I know you had already mm -hmm. kind of talked about some of the algorithmic trading that you're doing, kind of a hybrid system. Uh, but is there anything else that you want uh, my audience or me to know about this kind of intro to, to algo trading that you're kind of starting on this path? Yeah, sure. So, like, I think programming is something that a lot of people look at and they're like, oh, man, that's like, holy crap. Like, I would never be able to do that, right? Like the thing about this, I sat on this idea for months because I was like, I have no idea where to start. Like, I do not like, it, like it, I could not like fathom how to even do this. And like, I feel like a lot of people feel that way, right? Because it, it is a daunting task where you have so many different moving parts. Like how, like, where do you even start? And I get a lot of questions like, where did you learn how to do this? Like, did you take any courses? And honestly, like the thing I love about technology is that like, Google, Stack Overflow, and these kinds of like search engine websites are so powerful because you have the giga brain people doing all the work for you and you just have to read it and like kind of like see what's going on and you just like copy their code and it kind of just works right but um for anyone wanting to do uh, like i started exploring this because i really wanted to introduce more strict rules into my own trading because I'm generally a pretty impulsive person, which backfires a lot when I'm trading because, you know, you need to be like very disciplined. You need to be very like, you need to be like calm, cool, and collected. Right? And I found that one of the things that I learned when I was building this was that I was like, damn, I take a lot of trades from the middle of the range when I think I'm trading my strategy, but I'm really not. And that really opened my eyes because now that I have this, I'm able to take trades. I you know, I don't revenge trade because like 
means the algo doesn't revenge trade. Like it, it has its entries. I can't, I don't, I can't change those entries. Right. And I'm really able to kind of, uh, like I'm really kind of able to improve or to kind of put a bandaid or to eliminate a lot of my weak areas. Right. Um, I've, I've been able to identify what I'm good at and what I'm bad at. And I've kind of built things that will kind of supplement the part that I'm bad at. And then, so for people looking to get into this, like, like even if you've never coded in your life, like, I think this is really doable. I just think that you need to have, well, you need to have patience, obviously, but you need to, you need to know what to Google basically. Like I think Googling, like knowing how to find something on the internet is a really underrated skill that a lot of people, you know, either don't have or have never developed because like being able to find the problem, the solution to your problem or the, the answer to your question on the internet is such a valuable thing that I think a lot of people take for granted, right? Because a lot of people are like, yeah, I mean, like who wouldn't be able to find this? Yeah. But like, when, I but mean, like, when you, when you when say you really that, sorry, really it. quick, when you say mm -hmm. that, it just, I instantly think of my parents who, whenever I've seen them try to Google something, <laughs> it's like, I, I look at it and I'm like, I, I just laugh at them. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, how are you ever yeah, going to find exactly. anything yeah. on the internet like that? And I, I kind of have realized exactly. that, yeah. that a lot of people are like that. You know, you watch them try to find something exactly. on the internet and it's, they're never going to find the stuff they need. I've never, exactly, I've yeah. never so had like anyone to... ever on the podcast come on and say that this is an underrated skill and a skill that you need to develop. So <laughs> thank you for this very I, new I think it's a very, very underrated skill. No, yes, it is. And, but I've just <laughs> never had anyone say it. So I, I appreciate this new, new perspective that I hope my audience, you know, takes and learns from and starts to kind of develop this strategy mm -hmm. and uh, skill. I think it's the same with a lot of stuff, right? Like even in, even when you look at business, right? The, the, the person in charge is not usually the smartest person, right? He's the person that knows where the answers are, or he knows the person, he knows where he can get these answers. He's like, and just being able to like navigate the problems that you have and understand what problems that you have, understand what are some potential solutions or ways that you can find those solutions. Like, I think that's really, that's more important than being like, 300 IQ like I mean obviously if you're 300 IQ you could bring that'd be nice too like, <laughs> you, you know what I mean right like yeah <laughs> that, that kind yeah. of hard work and the ability to develop these skills is a little bit more important I would say than just being mm -hmm. super gigabrained like we've said yeah um but so yeah yeah I, I mean uh, going back to kind of the original question of you know how has this kind of algo development been uh, you know, you've said that you've learned most of it from Google Stack Orderflow. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, so. I, I have a minor in computer science, but we mostly did algorithms, and we learned a little bit about like kind of each um, each language. Uh, but I, like, I I don't have a huge programming background. I took a, like one or two programming classes in high school. It was like visual basic we made like a little like frog jumping game right my first experience with coding was when i was um 11 or 12 and i tried to make a private server for maple story <laughs> and it was like in c plus plus and i just like couldn't do it because it was like way too difficult <laughs> um so like that was like my first experience like my first first ever experience and then a few maybe like visual basic or like java classes 
And then the rest was just like in university where you kind of learn a little bit about algorithms, but you don't really learn about like, like backend stuff. Cause it was a minor, right? It wasn't a major. So I didn't really learn the full package. Um, but a lot of programming is logic. Like if you're good with like going through your code one step at a time, really kind of visualizing what the numbers are doing, right? Like, okay, like this line of code does this, this line of code does this. Ah, okay. Like this is doing this, but it shouldn't be doing that. That's where the bug is. Like that is really important. And like, just like self-teaching yourself online is definitely the way to go. Like you don't need a course or anything. I think if people want to start, the best thing that they can do is just start off with like a really easy, like a really easy example. Like for example, okay, I want to place a long on BitMEX, right? Or even even easier, like oh, I want to connect to my account to see my balance, right? And you kind of just build from there. Like when I was building this, I built many different individual ones you know, I don't even use just so that when I built this, I could kind of just put them all together and kind of just have a place where they all, um, they all work. Like this is not like one project. This is many small projects kind of put together. It's like one, one little step at a time every day. Of course. There we go. Um, and then going back to actually why you kind of started to do this, it was the idea that your trading is a little bit, uh, I don't I want to use the right word here. I don't want to, insult you in any way but yeah yeah it's impulsive (laughs) there there we go (laughs) i was trying to find the right word for it but it's impulsive yes (laughs) a lot of people struggle with this especially when your account balance starts to grow Uh, and something new to you you know you eventually want to be trading with size you start small grow your account or contribute more capital and trade with size and i think that's something that everybody struggles with unless they're just complete psychopaths is that you place a large (laughs) trade and it gets to you, you know, you, you having that position open uh, with that much money on the line, it really gets to you. So when you can automate this kind of stuff, set these parameters and say, Hey, I only want it to trade when it does, when price does this or when the market does this, mm-hmm. it'll take those trades and you don't need to bite your fingernails to, you know, the bone. Exactly. You can just say, Hey, these are the parameters I set up. It will trade this and I can't do anything about it. I mean, you can exactly. do something about it, but you're not going to do anything about it. Exactly. It just adds an extra layer of kind of um, uh, prevention from you like interacting with it in a negative way. Because I think everybody wants to be that like ultimate Chad trader trades naked charts, you know, like 0.1 BTC to a thousand BTC <laughs> in three months, right? Like, and, and the thing is, everybody's different. Right? Some people trade better with price action. Some people trade with order flow. Some people trade with tarot cards, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you trade. As long as it, it suits, as long as it suits like your own personality and you're able to understand where your shortcomings are, because nobody's perfect, right? You're able to understand those shortcomings. And instead of trying to like, instead of trying to be like, oh no, I have to be this like ultimate perfect trader, like no weaknesses, like nothing. Like, it's much better to just be like, hey, man, like I'm not so good at this. What can I do to kind of boost that part up a little bit so I can focus on my strengths? It doesn't have to be algo trading, right? Like, if you're bad with, like, stops, maybe options would be nice. If, you, if you're bad with risk management, maybe, like, a position bot would be nice, right? It, it really depends on the person, right? You know, meditation can help. Like, visualization can help people, you know, get desensitized to um, high-pressure situations. It's really about understanding 
what you can do to it's, it's basically making like a like a workout plan for yourself right like like okay like my 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 biceps my right bicep is smaller than my left bicep what am i going to do to kind of fix that or like oh i want to bring out my squat like what is like an ideal program what are the calories that i need to eat to to really like maximize the goals that i want to do so i can become a, a better well-rounded trader i i love that because i feel like so many so many people are focused on, okay, I'm good at this. I'm going to really double down on it. You're trying <laughs> to become this much more well-rounded trader and looking at your weaknesses, which I think can be very hard for some traders. And a lot of traders are very egotistical uh, and they have these huge <laughs> egos and they can't look at their shortcomings and say, how do I fix this? Uh, but you've looked at yours. Yeah. You've said that I'm a little bit impulsive and <laughs> I can get rid of that if I start creating these algos and what you've done is just picked it up one thing at a time, slowly learned, mm -hmm. used the internet and kind of taking care of your shortcomings. And now you can double down on the shit that you're really good at, which is exactly. unreal, yeah. man. I, I, I applaud you. <laughs> you're, you, this is the Thank reason you. that you're going to be very successful and you already have been very successful is you really have got this down to a science that others don't. So again, huge, huge congrats to you. Um, there's one other thing I did want to touch on before kind of wrapping up the episode, because I always like to end with the, the same two questions to end. Um, we also talked about in DMS and I think it's actually in your bio as well. Uh, a little bit of market making that you're kind of exploring as well. Uh, can you kind of do the similar, a similar thing with how we talked about options and algos? Can you kind of do the same for market making and kind of talk to us about your intro to market making? Well, my intro to market making is very similar to the to the intro with with algos because, like inherently, market making is you're basically playing like mean reversion, right? Um, so like, I don't really have too much to add there because it's basically the same story as as the algo stuff. There we go. Um, anyone that you've drawn inspiration from there? I know Sim does a lot of market making and Sim. okay, Sim. there we go. <laughs> and then there's also a pa pa Pascal Pascal okay. Feldman. Um, as well as um, as well as Tommy, um, as well as uh, I believe it's Foz, Trader Foz, I think. Um, just a few of these people that are really studs, man. Like <laughs> it's awesome. Like I like I love just like seeing people do something really well, and then you know not have a giant ego and just you know just be chill people, and you know are have good content and are just like. Yeah, they're just sort of like respect is a big thing for me. Like I, I try to respect everybody that I, I interact with. Um, I don't. I try to stay in my lane. I don't like get into stupid Twitter beef. I don't. You know, none of, I don't really like any of that stuff. So I really like it when I can see someone who's successful and is also kind of following or doing the same thing as 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 me. Beautiful man, and yeah, you're right. A lot of those names that you mentioned, they're very calm, cool, and collective. They're very humble people. <laughs> They're not out here mm -hmm. flexing their big dicks on yeah. Twitter. Uh, and those exactly. are the people you really want to be learning from and talking to and kind of associating with, which I feel like you exactly, have done. Yeah. Um, so that's, we covered a shitload of stuff there. I love yeah. it. It was an awesome episode. We're not done yet, but I just want to say that like everything that we just talked about, you're, the way you presented it was fantastic. You know, typing things out, leaving awesome. things up. You know, I really mm -hmm. think that anyone who didn't know anything about this can listen to this episode. And if they want to start implementing it, they can. So 
thank you and i kind of now want to get i'm really happy that you (laughs) i'm really happy that you said that because coming in i was like i was pretty nervous because you've had like a bunch of people that i look up to on the show and i have a little bit of like imposter syndrome right so i was super nervous like what if this doesn't go well like what if i do it and everybody's like oh man that guy doesn't like like i had a bunch of thoughts coming in and i was really nervous so i'm very i'm very happy that you said that yeah no man one of the most informative episodes and i think you broke it down in a way that not many people have been able to do when they come on and talk about their strategies so the fact that you have this imposter syndrome or that you were nervous at all kind of blows my mind especially you know for anyone who listens to this up until this point and then hears that i think they're going to be shocked to hear that sort of thing so thank you you know just again just want to give you a huge congrats and thank you for coming on uh, and then wrap up with these last Thank two. Thank you for having me. Of course, man. Like I, I'm, I'm honored. Um, but I do want to get to these last two questions. They're always the same. Uh, mm-hmm. And the first one is, you know, what are you most excited for in the coming 12 months? Are you working on anything yourself? I know you've got this data feed. Uh, you've got these intros mm-hmm. into new things that you're learning. But is there anything else that you are extremely excited about in the next, I'd say, six to 12 months? Yeah, honestly, I'm just really excited about getting better at trading and making more money, making more friends and just having a good time. Like I, I really try to like stay in my lane. I don't have like all the stuff, all the stuff that I make is just for myself. I don't have anything that I'm like selling. I don't have a paid group or anything. Um, I'm just really excited to improve as a trader. I'm really excited to make be better friends with the people that I've been associating with and just like I'm here to have a good time and make a little bit of money and yeah king you're a king man i love it (laughs) everyone everyone on here is i got something to sell you everyone on twitter is like buy this for me buy that for me i'm even on that train i got shit that i'm selling and i got sponsors for this podcast so i i can't i can't Mm -hmm. even say that i'm i'm this kind of person but uh no just to be here to learn to teach other people to kind of grow relationships i think that's the purest way to use twitter um so yeah. you know I, I just keep speaking highly of you and i don't think that's gonna <laughs> <Thank> stop <you. laughs> because, man i i'm blown away by by everything that you're doing so thank you i'm very much excited to uh to see what you kind of do in the next 12 months see the growth um and kind of see these new things that you're going to be implementing into your trading um and then usually i great. like to i like to wrap up the end of the episode with you know a biggest tip and we covered a lot, but there was something okay. that got covered that, you know, I'd really like to focus on here, which is kind of the psychology of all of this. Cause you did mm-hmm. a great job explaining the actual trading strategies and everything that we talked about, but not a lot of people, I mean, I've done episodes on the psychology of trading, but I think it, it gets lost on a lot of people. So I think to end this episode with, you know, your kind of thoughts on, on how to trade and kind of the mentality of a successful trader. Uh, if we could hear that from you, I think that would be a great way to end it. Sure. Well, I think, let me see. I think that the most important thing is definitely just understanding your own psycho- psychological state, your psychological biases. Or like some people are more prone to certain biases than other people. Some people are more prone to, you know, reacting in a certain way. And I think as long as you can really take a look at yourself and understand like this is who I am as a person, this is what I tend to do, then you can really start to come up with like a plan to either boost the parts that you're good at 
or mitigate the parts where it might where it might lead to your downfall. Because I think a lot of people will see successful traders and then they try to imitate them, right? But they don't like you'll never be successful imitating someone because they're not you, right? Like you need to be able to find what works for you, right? So like most of the people that I talk to are like swing traders, right? They they are, for example, like I'm I'm in a Discord that is a like a full on bear cave, right? Like people are like super bearish in there. And but they're mostly swing traders. Whereas like my buys, I've I flip flop a lot because you know I'm trading a lower time frame. Um but so being able to understand like what uh, how your mind works and not being distracted by how other people how other people are doing their analysis. Because you'll see on Twitter, right? You'll see on crypto Twitter where people are posting their analysis, it's a lot of noise, right? Like you should only focus on your own PNL. Like the only thing that matters is that you're getting better, you're having a good time, you're doing things the right way. It's about, you know, cliche, right? But process um, and everything else is is noise. It doesn't matter if someone doesn't like your trading style. It doesn't matter if you like knock on wood and listen to it to see if you want to long or short. The only thing that matters is if you're having fun, if you're having a good time, and if you're making money. Right? And that should be like, don't call people out, don't subtweet. There's a lot of subtweeting on crypto Twitter. Um, a lot of like bull bear tribalism and a lot of that stuff. And it's just, it's just noise, right? Like no one can teach you who you are as a person. You have to understand that yourself. And I think if you can do that, that is the first step to kind of becoming successful because it's difficult to be like, this is what you need to be like to be successful. It's kind of like, I don't, I don't know what you need to be like to be successful, right? I know what I need to be like to be successful, right? And that is, you know, someone who trades in a lower time frame and uses maybe like, uses like programs to help me mitigate my risk and mitigate my position size, right? But not everybody is the same. 100% agree with that. Um, but I kind of want to take that a little bit further because, you know, it's very mm -hmm. easy to say ignore the noise. Uh, I think everyone wants yeah. to ignore the noise. Uh, but you said you're in this mm -hmm. Discord group. You're on Twitter. How do you actually yeah. ignore the noise uh, when you've got other right. fantastic traders? Like you know, you mentioned a couple names of guys that you look up to. Say you're taking mm -hmm. a trade, and you happen to see that one of these guys that you look up to is taking the other side of that trade. Yeah. Like how do you how do you ignore that? <laughs> yeah. So for the for Twitter, right? What I did was I I don't use Twitter. But like I'll shit post at night. And I'll use Twitter on my phone at night, but I'll have TweetDeck open, but I don't have my home feed. Like I, I, I don't look at my home feed at all. The only thing I have on my TweetDeck are my own posts, my notifications, and like my mentions, because I don't want to be at my desk trading and then have, you know, this guy post like this analysis that is going to like throw me off. So that's like one like really small thing that you can do is just if you're at your desk and you're using like Twitter, just don't have the home feed up. As for when like bigger traders or like people that you respect are taking uh, opposite positions, that one is a difficult one because like that, that one is, but like, I, I think the only thing that I would say was that it comes with, it comes with time. Because for example, if we like, for example, a lot of people want the bull run because it means that they will achieve financial freedom. Right. And I was like that too. Right? I was like, oh man, I need the bull run so I can be rich. But I don't have to like, you know, work or whatever. But um, once I got a little bit better at trading and I was like comfortable with being able to 
take opportunities, then it kind of it minimizes how much you need that bull run because you don't need it, right? Because now you have an ability to generate to generate um, money or generate value on your own. You don't need this like ginormous bull run to become to become successful. And I think that's the same with these bigger traders or people that you respect, right? Um, you'll see them post something and it's like, cool, right? I like, you need to kind of detach yourself from the result. Uh, like it doesn't, how should I say this? Like it, you don't need to be right. It's not about being right. It's about, it's about sticking to what you're good at and sticking to what you know. Like there have been plenty of times where, um, especially like lately where people that I really respect have posted stuff like, oh, we're going to go a little bit lower. We're going to completely fill this liquidity gap, just as an example. And then in my head, I'm like, well, that's not how I see it. And, you know, that's, it's not a big deal. Like, I don't really care who's right. I'm just going to trade my own stuff. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it just comes with time, I think. Yeah. Like, it's time sounds, and experience. I was going to say, it sounds like you've been doing this long enough to have enough conviction in your own analysis to say, mm-hmm. hey, even if these other guys are counter trading me or think we're going a little bit farther up or down than I do, that's fine. If I'm wrong, I can learn from it. Mm-hmm. If I'm right, it's because of my analysis. Exactly. And you're right. I think that just does, that does exactly. just come with time um, and being in the market long enough to kind of develop that strategy of yours. Uh, but I also like that, you know, being off Twitter yeah, for the I day th- while th- you're trading. It's two mm-hmm. very important points. I also think that like, yeah, I, I also think that when you follow, like what's going to happen at the beginning, right? You're going to be trading and then you're going to have, let's say you're long and then let's say someone that you really respect goes short. What's going to happen is you're going to close those positions sometimes. And what's going to happen is you're going to find out that you're going to lose money more often than not. And when you lose enough money, when you like lose enough trades, it, like every trade that you lose, is an opportunity to, to kind of really understand that, okay, I shouldn't have done that. Like, it doesn't matter what he thinks, right? The only thing that matters is my bias, right? So you just, you also just need like enough, kind of enough chips away at your, at your PL where you kind of like, yeah, like he's counter trading me or I'm counter trading him, but I've done this enough times where I know that that doesn't end well, right? Like it's just through negative reinforcement, you kind of just build the habit of ignoring, ignoring the noise. There we go. So really just it, like you're saying comes down to taking enough trades, being in the market long yeah. enough. Screen time. So for those dudes who are relatively new, I mean, it, it sucks to mm-hmm. hear, but you're just going to have to pay your dues, you know, make those screen trades, time, yeah. lose that money. Um, mm-hmm. Like you're saying screen time. Uh, so thank you for those tips. I like your kind of thoughts on psychology and how you've kind of been able to improve as a trader mentally. And I think that's just as important as actually the skills and the analysis that you've learned. Uh, Cause the trading is very much a mental game. Uh, before we go, is there anything else that you want my audience to know? I, I know we covered a lot, but there might be something that we may have missed. Is there, is there anything that, you know, you need them to know? Um, just that, like, I hope everybody can be respectful and don't like put down other people's trading styles. Don't, you know, don't induce FOMO. Like, there's nothing that I hate more where people retweet someone just to, like, prove a point or subtweet them or just have a lack of basic respect or, are like, if you didn't buy here, like, what are you even doing with your life? This was the generational buy. Like, that stuff is so cringe. <laughs> like, just, 
I really just want people to just be nice to each other and like like we everybody has something to offer it doesn't matter if you have 100k followers it doesn't matter if you have one follower right like everybody should just be respectful and then everybody can have a good time like that's just how I kind of look at it I love it if you're gonna make fun of anybody make fun of yourself you know call out your own shortcomings improve yourself but don't be putting other people down you know I I, I'm a big proponent of this I I don't give a fuck what you guys are all doing. Like you could be losing money, making money. I'm never going to be putting you down for losing money. Uh, I'll put myself down constantly um, (laughs) because I I lose money constantly. I'm a terrible (laughs) trader, which is fine because I'm not hurting anybody else. You know, when you you start calling out other people, it really starts to affect them negatively. And uh, there's no gain Mm -hmm. or positive from that. You know, you're not gaining anything. Yeah, It's a lose, lose situation. You get some dopamine, some quick dopamine, and then your brain gets used to that dopamine and then you're fucked. Uh, Cause then you're addicted to Twitter, but no, man, I I really appreciate you ending the episode that way. I I love the positivity that you're preaching. I try to do the same as much (laughs) as I can on Twitter. Uh, So thank you for that. And thank you for this episode. Holy, holy shit, man. It's, it's been a wild one and i very much enjoyed it so again i I gotta say it for the 50th time thank you 